Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Special Edition is a production of Intercom Communications. Welcome to Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. Starting off this week, we're bringing you two interviews that we'd like to thank our friends at WYLN-TV for helping us to bring you. One is an adoptathon from the Whitehaven Veterinary Hospital. We'll meet Dr. Shelley Sobray and Willow Juris. The second is an upcoming Choose Life Gala. We'll meet Valerie White and tell us about that in just a moment. But first, let's find out about Sunday. Sunday's Adopt-a-thon. We're going to the dogs and the cats and all the other animals because, once again, the folks at the Whitehaven Vet are holding their annual Adopt-a-thon. Dr. Shelley is with me. Willow is with me. We have Mia and Maggie May, and we're all ready to go. When is it this year? It is going to be Sunday, October 7th from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Now that's a change from last year. It is. We shortened it just a little bit. Now as far as the location is concerned, give us that first because everybody needs to get here so they know exactly where they're going. Sure. It is going to be at the Vet Hospital. We're right down from the Turnpike on State Route 940. And what do you plan to have here this year? So we have a lot going on. So we're going to have a live band. It's that the music is provided by the Mighty Three. Um, we have pet photos this year. We're going to have multiple vendors, food, face painting, and crafts for the kids. So we have a lot to do this year. And we gave Willow the big, the big job of holding the official sign. Yes. And and you're also uh, sitting in front of one of the prizes. Yes. This is a 32-inch TV that will be one of the raffles. Wow. Yep, and we have a lot of tricky trays as well. Yeah, you always have great tricky trays here. And we are selling at the practice, we're selling raffle tickets for the TV early as well to collect now even before the, before the event itself. Oh, so mm -hmm. if people just want to come into the office, they can get them now. Mm -hmm. Oh, exactly. Now, Willow, you're a, you're a new face. I am. How, when, when did you start here? I'm here about uh, three months. Oh, so you're really new. Now, have have they told you any? Have they told you anything about the past adoptathons? No. <gasps> she was here I was. Oh, she's been to one I went to one before oh. about two years ago. Oh, okay. Because yes, I because I was gonna say you're you're re are you ready for this? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a little bit different this year, so we'll see. Yeah, it is a little bit different this year. Now, one of the of course the main reason that you're holding this is to get the word out about adopting. Correct. And who's going to be here? So we have four shelters this year. It's going to be Hazleton Animal Shelter, the Luzerne County SPCA, the NEPA Pet Fund and Rescue, and then also the Pocono Greyhound Adoption. Most of these rescues have been with us before. And have you had any successful adoptions? We have, especially with the Greyhound Adoption. We've had some good, do um, good adoptions with them. Now, 
I guess, Kasim, I was going to ask you what your favorite part was going to be, but it almost sounded like you're a big tricky tray lady. Yeah, I'm excited to see all the tricky trays. Now, do you have any idea how many so far? Because I know you're still taking them in, right? Twenty-five to thirty at this wow. point. Yeah, I want like gift cards, that sort of stuff. Wine baskets. We have multiple pet baskets as well. Oh, the pet baskets yeah. are the best. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, when we're uh, talking one more time, give them your best smile. Tell everybody to come on down. Come on down to Whitehaven Vet Hospital for the Adoptathon on October seventh. See, Willow's the best. She did it. She, we knew she could. She did do that. <laughs> and I'm going to give you the opportunity, too. You're going to tell us once again where we're going to go and everything that we're going to find when we get here. Ready? Go. What? Whitehaven Vet Hospital, October 7th from 12 to 4. So we're going to have the pet photos, the band, food, vendors, um, tricky trays, all kinds of stuff. So hopefully you guys can all stop by and also help our pets. Now we'll meet Valerie White. She is the executive director of the Pregnancy Resource Center of Greater Hazelton. They have an upcoming Choose Life Gala in November, and there's still time for you to purchase tickets. Valerie has a lot of information about a great event that's coming up. Valerie, welcome, and what organization are you with? Well, thank you, Paula, and I am the director of the Pregnancy Resource Center of Greater Hazelton, and we are a uh, life-affirming organization. We know that every life has value. Where are you located? In Hazelton? Uh, we are in West Hazelton on 131 North Warren Street. So for some of who may not know about the organization, what exactly do you do? Yes, yeah, so uh, girls can come in and they can take a pregnancy test. Now we're not medical, that is our, our vision down the road, but at this time they can take a high quality urine test. And um, if it comes back negative, we would talk to them about healthy relationships and what that looks like and possibly uh, talk with them about uh, abusive relationships and some of the challenging aspects of relationships. Now, if it's positive, then we would encourage them to be part of our parenting classes. And these parenting classes are called Earn While You Learn. And so the girls and guys can come in too. Nice. Uh, so they can come in and they take the classes. They work with one of our client advocates. Now, when you take a parenting class, the great thing is that not only do you learn, but you also earn baby bucks. Now, these aren't real money, but uh, with these baby bucks, you can go shopping in our baby boutique, and it's located right within the center. Wow, what's in the baby boutique? Oh my goodness, so many beautiful <laughs> things. We have baby clothes from birth to size five, oh. and they are a lot, a lot of brand new clothing. Some is gently used. We have diapers, wipes, uh, soaps, and shampoos. We have many, many uh, hand crocheted items from the ladies in the community. Ooh. Little sweaters and hats, uh, many ba uh, very beautiful baby blankets. So it's really, um, it's probably our, our favorite place within the center and we love to have the moms and dads come in there and use their baby bucks and shop for their little one. Oh, and that is so important mm -hmm. because there's so many things when you're first starting out that you need everything. Yes. Even if you, even if it's your, your second or third child, you always need something. Absolutely. So between the education that you offer, between the testing that you offer and everything, obviously you don't ask these young ladies for money when they no, come in? No, not at all. We are a nonprofit, and so everything is free. So they can take the classes. Um, 
go shopping in the baby boutique. We also have some specialty classes too. We teach on, on specifically on healthy relationships. We also have a cooking class. Oh. Um, last week we had a class for um, moms, dads, and the kids on um, uh, healthy dental care oh, and uh, preventing important. cavities in kids. We um, Down the road we're gonna have a, a music class in a couple of weeks. Uh, another lady's going to come in and teach us how to make blankets. So a lot of we like to have a lot of fun and a lot of different stuff going on at the center. And in order to do that, you do have to have money. Now, of course, a lovely lady like Val is going to come up with a great way in order to raise some money. What's <laughs> happening? Okay, so our annual fundraising banquet is just around the corner. Uh, this will be Tuesday, November 6th. And yes, that is election day, so they can go vote and then come over to the banquet and you don't even have to cook dinner that night. Vote and eat. <laughs> right. So uh, it'll be at Capriati's in McAdoo. Their food it just can't be beat. And then we have a speaker afterwards. And uh, this year it is Gordon Douglas. He is a comedian and he is hysterical. You're not going to want to miss this banquet. It's going to be absolutely delightful. And one of the other things too that we want to mention is people in the community can not only help you, but also do some nice things for themselves by helping you. How do they do that by being a sponsor? Absolutely, so we have many sponsorship opportunities. We have one uh, event sponsorship opportunity and that is for $5,000 and uh, along with that will be uh, advertising and media exposure before, during and after the banquet on our website and, and other um, avenues. We also have two platinum sponsors. Those are for 3,500, and then uh, gold sponsors for 2,000, and also table sponsors for 1,000, and then the sponsor uh, sponsorships for 250. So there are many ways that the community can get involved and support life in our community and, and support um, our, our younger generation. Now, as far as just attending and being able to be a part of everything and enjoy mm -hmm. dinner in the comedian, what are about tickets? Okay, tickets are $40 a person, and that $40 covers the dinner uh, and the comedian, and then there'll be a, um, an ask for a, f a further donation after the, at the end of the evening. So this is one of the main ways that we do support the center and keep it open. And when do the tickets have to be purchased by? They have to be purchased by uh, October 23rd, okay. and that's a Tuesday. So it's a, a few weeks away, so we have a little bit of time, which is great. Yeah, make your plans now. Uh, and we've, we've had the, the date, which is November 6th, mm -hmm. Capriati's. And, of course, you can also find you on your Facebook page. Yes, uh, Pregnancy Resource Center of Greater Hazleton and also our website, realoptionsprc.org. Choose Life Gala. Val, you're yes. going to be the hostess with the mostess. Okay. <laughs> it sounds, sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. It's really going to be a lot of fun, and it goes to support um, young parents right here in our own community. And, you know, I want to say, Paula, that uh, the young girls that come in, you know, they may, they may be young, obviously, mm -hmm. and they may um, come from some rough circumstances, but they really want to do good. They want to be good parents, they love their children, and they really want to learn how to better themselves. And so that we just want to walk beside them as they, as they try and do that. That's wonderful. Thank you, Val. Okay, thank you. So don't forget, make that phone call, get on the website, get those tickets, and don't forget about those sponsorships. We get a whole group together. And, and be one, one sponsorship. Absolutely. You never know. Yeah, that'd be a good idea, you know. too.
And again, thanks to Valerie White for giving us the information about the upcoming Choose Life Gala to benefit the Pregnancy Resource Center of Greater Hazleton. You can find more information on their Facebook page. Now don't go away. More special edition to come. Welcome back to Special Edition. I had the opportunity recently to talk with U.S. Attorney for the Middle District of Pennsylvania, David Freed. Among the things that we talked about included Project Safe Neighborhoods. That's a national initiative by the United States Department of Justice to reduce gun violence in the United States. Prosecutors from around the country are involved. They're able to provide assistance to state and local jurisdictions in support of training and community outreach efforts. U.S. Attorney Freed was able to give us an opportunity to find out how it's working, not only nationally or statewide, but right here in our own backyards. U.S. Attorney for the Middle District of Pennsylvania, David Freed, is joining us, and we're going to talk about something called Project Safe neighborhoods. Welcome, and what does that mean? Well, thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, People might remember uh, from about, oh gosh, 16, 17 years ago, uh, seeing some billboards uh, around the area uh, saying things like, uh, if you do a gun crime, you're going to do federal time. Yes. And those were a product of the original Project Safe Neighborhoods uh, program. Uh, which was uh, the, a program, Justice Department program, with the goal of, of reducing violent crime, uh, having a real impact on, on crime rates. And the studies that were done about the original Project Safe Neighborhoods, we say PSN, uh, showed that, that it really did reduce crime uh, nationwide by about 4%. Uh, and, and those are good, solid, solid numbers. So when, when, when Attorney General Sessions uh, came back to the department, uh, he had been a United States attorney and an assistant U.S. attorney in Alabama. When he came back to head the department uh, early in 2017, one of the things uh, that he wanted to ramp up very quickly was sort of a Project Safe Neighborhoods 2.0 <laughs> approach. So, so to do it again, it worked, it worked before, uh, and, and he believed it can work again, and, and, and it can so Project Safe Neighborhood, uh, there are really five tenets to it, and, and, and we as United States attorneys around the country are tasked with, with leading this effort. It involves leadership by the U.S. attorney, you know, c- convening uh, all the appropriate players, that's district attorneys, local law enforcement, state law enforcement, uh, Pennsylvania Attorney General's office, and partnering uh, with those groups. And, and you know, I could talk more about that as we go on. Mm-hmm. This district... Uh, uh, the Middle District of Pennsylvania, I can tell you, is the envy of many districts around the country. Because really? Of, oh, because of the level of partnership that we have with with uh, state and local law enforcement. Wow. Uh, you know, there's always a little territoriality in, in law enforcement. You see that on television all the time. Uh, we really have excellent relationships here, in particular in northeastern Pennsylvania. It, it's, it's as strong as, as I've seen anywhere. Um, That's great and, to hear. And, and along with that, then targeted and prioritized enforcement. So that's the stuff you read about in the paper all the time. You know, that, that, that's our main job is, 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 is enforcing the law, uh, doing the, the, the cops and robbers, the crime stuff. 
and then violence prevention uh, and accountability. So we're accountable to the Justice Department for what are we doing with Project Safe Neighborhoods? What are we doing with the funds that we receive? You know, what does our program look like? Uh, and and we're excited about it. The 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 setup here in the in the Middle District of Pennsylvania, uh, the way that the Violent Crime Reduction Program and 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 the Heroin and Opioids Program was set up, even before I walked in the door, it was set up to concentrate our efforts uh, in the places where we have greatest need. So in the Middle District of Pennsylvania, that's the city of York in York County, uh, Harrisburg City in Dauphin County, Williamsport in Lycoming County, uh, and, and and Wilkesbury. Uh, oh. In Luzerne County, and to to an extent, Scranton. I, you know, we say the Wilkesbury Scranton area. Well, Wilkesbury Scranton Hazelton, exactly. Right, at least, right. exactly. And thank right. you for bringing Hazelton up too, yeah. because that that is that that's all part of this. And so we're concentrating efforts, concentrating PSN efforts uh, in, in in those areas. Uh, there's there's some funding, some federal funding attached to it uh, for the district uh, this year. It's about one hundred fifty thousand dollars. So it's not a ton of money. Uh, we're seeking, uh, we have to get approval from the department, but we are seeking to uh, take that money and, and, and put it right into to, to boots on the ground law enforcement. Such as? Uh, well, the way that, that, that we do these partnerships uh, that I addressed uh, here uh, throughout the district, but especially here in northeastern Pennsylvania, is, is we have state troopers, uh, county detectives, local police officers who get sworn in as task force officers or TFOs might be with the FBI, might be with the DEA, Drug Enforcement Administration, might be with alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, and they're cross-designated as federal officers. I did not know that. Oh, and, and, it, and it's an extensive program here. So, so what happens then, and this is part of what this department has directed us to do, they will, uh, they have great relationships in their, in their local areas, as you might expect, and we do regular meetings uh, with, with those folks to discuss cases, and we'll determine is this a case that's appropriate for federal prosecution. Uh, how do we make those decisions? Well, we look at uh, how big of a problem is 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 this potential offender in your community. Uh, what if we convict that person? Would the potential sentence look like? Often in federal court. The sentence is more substantial, mm-hmm. uh, depending on a person's prior record, depending on whether a firearm was used, depending on whether there's prior crimes of violence. So we have that uh, face-to-face sit-down, that back and forth, and then we will say, uh, yes, we'll do that case. And sometimes we say, well, if it's about the same at the federal state or state level, we'll let that case stay at the state level. And it's that kind of direct partnership. Uh, last week, there was just a meeting uh, and, and that was a little uh, of a larger meeting. There were representatives from Luzerne County, Lackawanna County, and Monroe County uh, met with folks in my office to go over cases. I just uh, walked past one in, in, in Dauphin County the other day with folks from Harrisburg City and Dauphin County meeting with my folks to go over cases. And it's, it's exactly what you'd expect. We have a big stack of files on the table, and we look through the cases and say, yes, we'll do these, and, and no, we won't. The reason that I bring up the relationships here in northeastern Pennsylvania in particular uh, is we have longtime experienced federal officers, longtime experienced state officers working directly together uh, to do cases. We, we have a, a, a very close relationship in particular uh, with the Luzerne County District Attorney's Office, uh, the 
district attorney in Lackawanna County is still fairly new. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done some great cases together, and he and I have been together on numerous occasions. I have a little bit of an advantage because I was a district attorney for a long time, so I know a lot of these folks. It helps. Uh, but this work was being done. I can't take any credit for it. This work was being done before I walked into the office. I think it's fascinating, though, and so many of uh, so much of this is happening, and the general public obviously doesn't know about it. So then when you folks take the heat that says, why is this so slow? Why does it take so long? You know, I'm seeing this, but it mm-hmm. – but, it, it all has to be done by the book if you want it to come out to a positive conclusion. Right. And, and you know, there's, I can understand, the, you know, there, there, there's some arguments on the other side of this issue saying, well, uh, why are we taking these, these local cases um, to the federal level? That's why we're doing these meetings and having this discussion. And ultimately, the, you know, I have, I have uh, very experienced uh, professional staff who helped me make these decisions, but ultimately I'm making these decisions saying, yeah, this case is appropriate for federal prosecution. Uh, I believe I have a great background to do that because I was a state prosecutor for so long. And where is it going to go in the long run? Right. Really? Sometimes I'll ask, you know, I'll see a case that came in before I started and I'll say, say to my, my folks, well, why, why did this case, we say go federal, you know, why, why did this case go federal? But doing that is, is a way to leverage greater resources uh, and to really have an impact on, on the community. Because one way to impact violent crime is to take violent criminals out of the community. Uh, that's job one for us, uh, and, and that's what we're doing. So where we're trying to focus our Project Safe Neighborhoods efforts are in these areas of greatest need. Uh, and to the extent that we get any funding, we're doing it without the funding, frankly. But if we get any funding, that should go I want that to go into supporting more task force officers. Because, look, the locality, the municipalities, the state police, attorney general's office – they're making a commitment. You know, they're committing somebody that they're paying uh, to do federal work. Now, what do you get back from that? Well, you get you get the the full resources of the, of the federal government back. Uh, great sentencing outcomes, uh, professional folks, technology, and all, all able, those sorts of things. You're able to get rid of a maybe a potential problem before it even festers any further locally. Sure. Because you see where it could be going down the pipeline, right? You know, the, the hard, hard one of the hardest things in, in in criminal justice is 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 trying to prevent crime and, and, and prevent re- recidivism. But before you can even talk about doing that, you have to address the problem. You, mm-hmm. you have to address the violence in the community and get the violent criminals out of the community. And the way to do that is to prosecute them and lock them up, and then we can deal with 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 some of the root causes. You know, when I started out as a prosecutor, and I go back, I go back far enough that it was really about, you know, let's just lock these people up. Well, let's lock them up. The job of the prosecutor has changed, uh, especially the, the the local prosecutors, the DAs you have in, in this area. They spend so much time on crime prevention, so much time. Uh, I used to say uh, I never believed I would spend so much time trying to keep people out of prison, <laughs> but you do, and that's the right thing to do. And 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 as a federal prosecutor, I'm not seeing those cases that are appropriate for the most part, for a diversion program or a treatment program. Uh, we want to concentrate our efforts on, on the most serious violent criminals, the people that, that do need to be locked up. Uh, and that's how we think we can have the greatest impact on the community. Can the community get involved in Project Safe Neighborhood at all? Yes. So, so there, there, there are many ways uh, for the community to get involved, and, and, and we're trying to develop ways 
Uh, we're looking to, to schedule uh, some community walks. I know there was one done in Wilkes-Barre last year uh, around this time. Uh, there's a program that's that's being run in York. Uh, it's called Gun Violence Intervention Program. We're looking to expand that because uh, we can lock up a, a, as many bad guys as we can, but we have to address the causes of violence in the community if we really want to make a difference here. And that's what, what PSN does. They want us targeted uh, at, at violence prevention, doing whatever we can, working with whatever groups we can uh, to, to, to try to do that. And, and I think we have the experience. We certainly have the desire to do it. Uh, now, look, it can be tough sometimes because you're walking in saying, I'm, 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 I'm going to lock you up. You know, what they say in York is, uh, and, and we do uh, a, a program down there, and I've done it, and folks from my office do it, and we bring in people who are, are, are engaging in risky behaviors, and we say to them, look, we're, we're here. The federal authorities are here until the shooting stops, uh, and shootings bring, bring police. So as long as this keeps up, uh, we're going to be here. We have to handle that enforcement end. Uh, but the community engagement, I, I, I can tell you I've been doing this for a long time, and locking people up deals with, with the immediate problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not a long-term solution. Is it something that people can um, perhaps, again, go to local law enforcement? Because we don't know, as the right. public, who in local law enforcement might be badged in order to work with the feds but at the same time you got to start somewhere right. and, and i think for people who are interested uh you know one of the our our level of local law enforcement in pennsylvania can be can be a benefit sometime and, and a detriment you know we're so we're so divided up mm-hmm. uh when i was da i had i think 17 municipal police departments and 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 state police you know in a county of about two hundred forty thousand people but what that the benefit you get from that uh and i have it i live in a small town with a little police department but I know all the police officers. Right. More importantly, I know the borough council members who are in charge of the police officers. And I think people who are interested in this, people who are interested in community engagement, certainly they can go to the, to the police. Police chiefs are a great resource. You know, police chiefs are, are that, are that certain, in most places, the outfacing member of the department mm-hmm. to, to interface with the public. But also, you're, you know, if you're in a township, your township supervisors, city council, borough council, and say to them, because they might not want you to know exactly who the, the, the task force officer is for Absolutely. security reasons. Absolutely. They say, look, are we doing any work with the federal authorities? Uh, uh, you know, the U.S. attorney, I heard him on the radio saying he's working with the DAs in all these counties. Uh, are we doing any of that? Do we have the opportunity to do that? And how can we get involved? When we're also talking about uh, Project Safe Neighborhood and you were mentioning the, the program in York with the guns. Mm-hmm. Now, you're not trying to take guns off the off people who are supposed to have them obviously so is there a program where i know there's been a lot of things even in chicago with gun take backs and Mm -hmm. and things like that do those things actually exist here in pennsylvania no they don't and i don't think we have the level of gun violence uh uh, that that uh, necessitates that now, I, I don't want to speak too freely. I'm not sure whether that's ever been done or, or attempted in York. It, it's been done in, actually in Harrisburg uh, to, to some effect, and that, that's generally done uh, by, by the locals. It might be the local police department who does that. Um, and, and I think there are arguments both ways there. We, we're, we concentrate on gun crime, and it's generally guns used in violent crime. The most common thing here is a gun used in furtherance of drug activity or other violent crime, but it's generally drug activity. Uh, the, the, the key uh, pieces of equipment for, for drug dealers are uh, their transportation, their drugs, their gun, and their phone. 
Right. Right. So uh, when when we catch them, though, and we can prosecute them federally, that use of a gun in furtherance of drug trafficking activity is a five-year mandatory jail sentence on top of anything else they might be doing. So we, we concentrate on that. Uh, no matter where you go uh, in the Middle District of Pennsylvania, uh, you know, we, we are a, uh, a longtime historical gun-owning district. Absolutely. And, and, and the mm-hmm. vast majority of people, and, and, and I've lived it, I've lived here my, 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 well, since I was three. I was born in Westchester outside of Philadelphia, <laughs> but uh, came to Pottsville after that and then been in the, in the Harrisburg area since then. And, and, you know, the vast, vast, vast majority of folks are law-abiding, responsible gun owners. And, and, and nobody, especially anybody in law enforcement that I've ever met in the Middle District of Pennsylvania, has any problem with that. We're, we're going after people using guns uh, uh, for criminal activity. Uh, you know, we have a, uh, I'm involved in, in a trial coming up, and we were supposed to have it in October. Uh, and as, as often happens with trials, it got pushed back. But when we started looking at calendar dates, it started to get pushed back right there to the beginning of hunting season. And, and, and we had to tell the judge, uh, you know, judge, we, we won't have any police officers if, uh, mm-hmm. if, if you want us to do a trial then because everybody, everybody will be at a hunting camp. So. Well, and that's, and that's, again, one of those things that when we here in northeast Pennsylvania and you're involved in the entire middle district, sometimes we kind of lose our perspective that it's not just here, but it's everywhere because everybody thinks they stay close to home. So as far as um, Project Safe Neighborhood is concerned, then citizens can get involved by getting in touch with their local people and finding out if there is a connection there and maybe suggesting starting a connection with the feds. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we're open for business. The, uh, the, the district attorneys in the counties certainly know that. Now, of course, they're, they're, at a, they're at a level where they've got the entire county to worry about. But uh, I can tell you, I see uh, you know the, these local officers uh, who who are are designated as task force officers, doing incredible work, uh, and and you know our local folks know and state police knows they're sending the people to do that who who really know what they're doing. It's generally very experienced officers who know what they're doing. Uh, what one of the other things we're trying to promote here is in places where we don't have task force officers. Um, I'm about to, to send something out to all the DAs around the district, reminding them uh, some, some, some of the more common cases that we do, the more common charges that we do. Here's what's necessary for these charges. Because you know, think, think of, a, of, a, of a smaller county like Wyoming County, maybe, mm-hmm. for example, uh, that doesn't have the just, – just population's not as big, doesn't have the level of activity that maybe some of these other counties have. But maybe there's one or two people that can't, can't stay out of criminal activity in a county like that keep getting in trouble and getting increasingly more violent with their crime. Those would be the kind of people that, that, that you know, those officials could come and say, hey, take a look at this person. And we could do the same sort of meeting we do with those other target areas and, and, and figure out, is this person maybe appropriate for federal prosecution? And what is your uh, website? You have a website too, right? Yeah. So we are, uh, it's just doj.gov and, and look for uh, Middle District of Pennsylvania. Thanks again to U.S. Attorney for the Middle District of Pennsylvania, David Freed, for joining us and giving us information on Project Safe Neighborhoods. Now don't go away. More special edition yet to come, and we'll be telling you about a special fundraiser that's coming up next weekend.
Welcome back to Special Edition. I'd like to take the opportunity to introduce you to Jamie Sussman. She is the founder and president of Sprint for Service Dogs. Jamie, along with her daughter Courtney and her service dog Finn, joined us recently to tell us about an upcoming fundraiser, Halloween Sprint for Service Dogs and Trick or Treat Fun Walk. It's happening at Nayog Park in Scranton. All the proceeds will be used to raise money to provide service dogs to those in need. And this time the beneficiary, Guardian Angels Medical Service Dogs, where they will be able to help veterans. Mark your calendar for Saturday, October 13th, and you can register in advance by contacting Sprint for Service Dogs at gmail.com or visiting their webpage or Facebook site. Right now, let's learn more about them. Let's welcome both Jamie Sussman and Courtney Sussman to our program today. And Jamie, I'm going to start with you because you have an event coming up and we'd like everybody to know the organization that you're with and the uh, when and where of the event. Uh, Yes, we have an event coming up. It's our second annual Halloween Sprint for Service Dogs. It's a 5K, a trick-or-treat walk. Uh, There's tons of events going on that day within the event for children and both dogs, um, including costume contests for children and dogs, um, bounce house inflatables, bake sales, uh, basket raffles, all sorts of fun stuff. And the organization is actually called Sprint for Service Dogs. Uh, We started about a year ago, and um, we're raising money this year now for Guardian Angels Medical Service Dogs, uh, which trains and donates service dogs to veterans and first responders. All right. Now, when we're talking about the event itself, are the dogs involved in the 5K, or is this just for their two-legged friends? I know dogs are welcome to run in the 5K, and we actually have a medal uh, for the first canine to cross the finish line. Nice. That's awesome. Now, you mentioned the fact that you're talking about service dogs for veterans in particular, but you've been doing this before. What was the before for? Uh, I originally planned this same event last year. Um, It was also held at Nayog Park. It was on October 29th last year. Um, And I did that because my daughter, Courtney, uh, was in need of a diabetic alert dog. Uh, Once I found out what the cost was going to be, uh, it was basically, for lack of better words, sticker shock. Uh, And I decided that I needed to do some fundraising. And I was a runner at the time. So one of my friends had mentioned to me, that I should plan a 5K. And that's where this kind of took off. It was around um, August. So I decided to take it with the Halloween theme and run with it. <laughs> run with it in one way or one <laughs> way or Pun intended. Pun <laughs> intended. Well, we do have Courtney with us today. Courtney, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And maybe you could tell us a little bit about your experience. Your mom, a year ago, uh, was going to be raising money for a service dog for you. And can you give us just a little bit of your background as to why this all came about? Um, Well, I can't feel my... When I was younger, I would be able to feel my blood sugars. um, So I can tell when they were high or low. 
And now that I'm getting older, I can't <clears throat> I can't feel them anymore. So um, we kind of saw videos on Facebook of like diabetic service dogs, and we started to see more of that. So I think that's what gave us the idea to get one. And um, that's when she started looking into getting a service dog. For How me. long were you diagnosed having diabetes? I've been I've had diabetes since I was eight. Oh, so it's so you've been dealing with this for a long time and yeah. you've been noticing a change. Did you when your mom said, well, let's take a look at this, Courtney, and see what you think about it. Were you a little bit skeptical that, you know, a dog mom? Really? Not really, because um, I mean, I know how amazing dogs can be and like looking more into how like how a service dog could help me. Um I don't know. I, I was really excited for it. <laughs> I wasn't really skeptical. Now, you've had your service dog, who is? Finn. Finn, for how long? Um, About well, um, two months. Oh, so he's relatively new in your house. Yeah. And how have you and Finn been getting along? Um, We get along great. We've bonded. I mean, he goes with me everywhere, so it's, you know, we're really close. And for the benefit of our listeners who unfortunately are not able to see Finn, who's licking my feet right now as we're doing this interview, can you describe Finn to us? What kind of dog is he? Um, he's a chocolate lab, and um, he's got pretty green eyes. <laughs> um, he's got a killer smile, too. Oh, yeah. The whitest teeth ever. Um, he'll be two in November, so he's still, he's still young. So he's still a puppy. Mm-hmm. Now... For a lot of people who, uh, you know, when we hear of service dogs, we hear of the kind of dogs that your mom is now going to be raising money for, for veterans. Now, in your case, what does Finn do in order to alert you that maybe you're having a problem? Is he trained to do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and- he can smell my blood sugars. So if he smells that my blood sugar is high or low, he'll jump on me to alert me and I'll start like licking my face and you know he doesn't leave me alone until he, I check my blood sugar. Oh. Now he came already knowing this. Yeah. Yep. So this is part of the training. Yes. No wonder mom said there was a lot of sticker shock to go into there. So Jamie when we're talking about this and you had the opportunity to um look into this for Courtney was she having problems that you began to notice? Uh, yes. She's, like she said, as she's gotten older, she's having a harder time feeling her highs and lows. Uh, I have worked in the medical field for well over 20 years. Uh, I've worked on the ambulance in Scranton for most of that time. Um, I've not only seen, you know, things through my job, but I also know people personally who have unfortunately lost their lives in the middle of the night because of a low blood sugar uh, and not being able to feel it and having no warning. And as she was getting older and telling me that, you know, oh, my blood sugar is 30 and I didn't even feel it, it started to scare me. And she, you know, was out on her own and it was nerve wracking. So I think I had a little bit more of a uh, fear than the average person would have because of my career and you know what I've seen and what I've dealt with. Because you know what'll happen. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, so that's when you know I decided that it was something that I wanted to do regardless. And obviously, I didn't 
expect her to incur any of the cost because it was my idea mm-hmm. and you can't put a price on a life. Absolutely. Um, and these dogs on the low end are $15,000. Wow. Now talk about the, the dogs that you are hoping to raise the money for now to get with veterans. Theirs is a little bit different. Yes. Uh, Guardian Angels is also a nonprofit organization. Um, and then that's one of the main reasons why I chose them, because they do not charge their recipients for these animals. So they they work off of donations just like we do. Um, they do all of the training. So we raise the money. We donate it to them. Uh, they do all the training. Uh, and then they donate the dog to the recipient. And we can designate that we want the dog to be local to any PA. Nice. We can designate it right down to a town if we want to. So we have full power of that decision uh, once we have the the full amount to sponsor a dog through them. Uh, We can even name the dog if we want. So it's it's a great program, and they're a great organization. Uh, They have a very in-depth, detailed application process so they know that these animals are going to people that are going to benefit and they're going to take care of them. They can handle them financially because there is a lot of ongoing financial mm. costs, you right. know, medical insurance and vets and Vet care and all, food yeah. and, mm. you know, everything. It's a little Groomer. bit more. <laughs> exactly. It's a little bit more than having a pet, you know. Um, it's a lot more than having a pet. So uh, they're they're a wonderful organization, and they actually helped me um, a little bit with direction in how to complete the nonprofit process to become a 501c3. Mm. So they've been very helpful, um, and they're trying to get some of their recipients to bring some dogs to the event. So we're crossing our fingers. They're located in Florida, but they do have a, a chapter in Pittsburgh, and they just broke ground on another chapter in Pennsylvania as well. Terrific. And one of the hardest things, and again, it's out of respect of the handler, we, when we meet them, they don't want us to come up and start petting them and cooing over them because... That could distract them yes. from their job. Yes, it's a, a do not pet. Right. Um, medical service dogs are trained to do a task. They're trained to do a job. They are working. So we want to, for lack of better explanation, we want to treat them like they're a wheelchair. Right. So we wouldn't go up and pet somebody's wheelchair. Correct. We don't want to go up and pet a service dog. Um It does get a little frustrating to the handler at times because some people, it's hard for people to understand, especially when they have kids, you know? Um, So the handler tries to be understanding and some people push their boundaries a little bit, but it is a do not pet, do not distract because not only is he not Finn not paying attention to Courtney and not smelling like he's supposed to be, but he's also now thinking that it's okay to approach people right, and to interact with people because he's trained to ignore people. He ignores, I have a dog and my dog is relentless and Finn ignores him. Wow. So eventually my dog gives up and goes on his merry way, but Finn is trained to ignore other animals too. I'm going to bring my puppy over to your house. <laughs> see. So once again, give us the where and the when and the why, because we want to make sure that you have a wonderful group. And if they can't make it to the event, I'm sure that there's always a way that they can get in touch with you and make a donation. Yes. Uh, the event is October 13th at Nayog Park in Scranton. It's located at the Schimmelfinnig Pavilion. It's the pavilion after the pool. 
Um, it's got like a brownish red roof. It starts at 9 a.m. The 5K starts at 9 a.m. sharp, and the uh, Trick or Treat Trail opens at 9 a.m. as well. The Trick or Treat Trail goes until noon. Um, and then if anybody wants to get a hold of us, we have a website, www.sprintforservicedogs.com. We also have a Facebook page. Uh, if you just search on Facebook for Sprint for Service Dogs, there's donation buttons on both of those. Um, they can also email us at sprintforservicedogs at gmail.com. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. And Thank Courtney, you. you'll give Finn some pets for me, won't you? Yeah, definitely. Okay. <laughs> Thanks again to Jamie, Courtney, and Finn for joining us to tell us about the upcoming Sprint for Service Dogs fundraiser. Again, that's happening Saturday, October 13th at Nayog Park in Scranton. Don't forget to bring your own canine companion. Medals will be given for the first canine to cross the 5K finish line, as well as medals for their pet parents as well. There will be trick-or-treat family fun with trick-or-treat stations, and kids 12 and under are free with adult registration for either the 5K or the walk. And you can find out more by visiting their website or their Facebook page. Some other things that are happening throughout the community include the 42nd Annual Friends of the Poor Thanksgiving Community Program. It kicked off this week in Scranton. The program will be held November 20th and 21st and includes a prayer service, the annual turkey dinner with all the trimmings, and it's also the 32nd year of the Family to Family Program. Organizers are hoping to raise $130,000 for the dinner, and they expect over 3,000 on November 20th at the Scranton Cultural Center. The interfaith service will be held on November 16th at Temple Hesed, and the family-to-family dinner baskets will be distributed on November 21st at the Scranton Cultural Center. If you would like to find out more, you can contact Friends of the Poor at 570-340-6086. Also, Commonwealth Health Urologist Dr. Michael Rittenberg will be presenting a free community seminar on men's health. Mark the calendar for October 17th, that's a Wednesday, 6 p.m. at Mohegan Sun Pocono on Highway 315 in Plains Township. Dr. Rittenberg will be focusing on benign hyperplasia, or BPH. It's also called prostate gland enlargement. It's a common condition that occurs as men age. An enlarged prostate gland can cause uncomfortable urinary symptoms, and the event is open to the public, and it's free of charge. They are asking that you contact them beforehand. Reservations may be made by calling 570 570- Zero five five two seven four nine six. Again, that will be a seminar on men's health Wednesday, October seventeenth, with Dr. Michael Rittenberg at Mohegan Sun Pocono Highway three fifteen in Plains Township at six p.m. Call five seven zero five five two seven four nine six to make a reservation. 
And don't forget, with Halloween right around the corner, there are some spooky things to do, including Gravestone Manor, open Fridays and Saturdays, 7 to 10 p.m., Sundays from 7 to 9.30 p.m. It runs through October 28th at the Tryon Warehouse, Route 315 in Plains Township. You can find out more on their website, gravestonemanor.com. Also, coming to Tuncanic, it's the Tuncanic Rotary Harvest and Wine Festival. That's Saturday, October 13th from 11 a.m. till 5 p.m., and that will be taking place at Lazy Brook Park on Route 92 in Tuncanic. Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories, a production of Intercom Communications. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com.